Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thank you so much for being with us today. I appreciate you. I appreciate the time that you've taken to listen today as we help you live as a thriving entrepreneur. Today we really want to focus on you and specifically the events in your life. You see, and there's an old phrase, I have all kinds of them, but the one that comes to mind today is the one that says, Man makes plans and then God laughs. Have you ever heard that one? Um, I like that one. It's one of my favorites because it really is true. You know, we have this plan for our lives, especially when we're younger. You know, I mean, think about it. There are very few five-year-olds who don't imagine things for their life, you know? And they're simple things. You know, they want to be a cowboy or a fireman or a nurse or a doctor or you know, they want to save the world or they want to be an astronaut or, you know, whatever it is. Little kids have no problems with that. And then usually, um, even with all the stuff that can happen in our uh, teen years and young adult years, we have coming into young adulthood a thought for how our life's going to be. Now, most of the time, I can tell you now at 52, most of the time when we're 16, 17, 20 years old, that plan that we had, uh, which probably looks something like being a jukebox hero or, you know, your equivalent of that, um, you know, that's not really based in reality. Sometimes, you know, I have seen some amazing 20-year-olds that are digging in and getting it done. And I can tell you from experience, um, you know, I was ready to take on the world at 18. Um, I had a, f a couple of really major things that were coming against me. Um, and then I did, as many 19-year-olds do, I um, decided that I had to marry the woman that I was dating, that I was just so in love and that there was no time to wait. Uh, I'm sure none of the rest of you have ever experienced that, but I did. Um, you know, and that, of course, immediately changes the course of your life. Um, I remember um, I was working actually with Alice D. Evans from WFLT Radio, an amazing lady, and I remember her saying to me one time that, you know, maybe because of, you know, you being a good parent, that that's what you really are going to need to focus on in this stage of your life, and that later the other things will come, and, and that's so true. Um, of course, you don't want to hear that when you're, you know, 20 years old. But, um, you know, wisdom from Alice, who was probably, oh, I guess Alice was probably 25 or 30 then. You know, she was just enough older than me that she had just enough more life experience to be like, you know, we all have these plans. God laughs at them. And then we have to really look at what's real in our life. You know, it would be great. There's a, speaking of old sayings, there's an old saying, you know, everybody wants to be a return missionary. Um, I don't know why, but lately in life, 
that comes up a lot in conversation that Kathy and I have. Um, you know, my amazing wife, Kathy. Most of you probably have listened to her Facebook Lives and stuff like that. Um, you know, and it's really interesting because we'll be talking about a certain thing going on, and it's like, you know, what they want to be is a return missionary. You know, everybody wants to be Gordon Ramsay, but nobody wants to spend the years in culinary school and the years working at the lowest level of restaurants. You know, everybody just wants to, um, you know, have a meal they cooked and have somebody come knock on their door and say, here's your first Michelin star. <laughs> you know, everybody wants to be Bon Jovi. You know, they want to be that 18 year old kid who wrote a song, got airplay on it. Um, you know, um, uh, Richie Samboro hears it and says, you know, the only thing that your band needs to go from being a local hit to being internationally famous is you need me. Um, and, which is pretty bold. Um, but, you know, Richie is an amazing guitar player and it worked. You know, and now the band Bon Jovi, you know, even still. Uh, I was listening on the radio to one of their songs. Now, granted, it was from like 2000 or 2001, but even then, you know, and, and they still have a great sound, you know. There are bands like Kiss, and um, I, I heard the other day that Elton John is finally doing his farewell tour. Um, you know, he's been around forever, and, um, you know, we look at that, and that's where we want to be. We want to be um, 20 but with the international recognition that a Elton John has in his 70s. You know, we want to be an actor, um, you know, that's like 18 or 20 years old um, and has the notoriety that, um, you know, and you could insert all kinds of actors in there. The one that came to my mind that was actually a little bit younger when he started his acting career was uh, Will Smith. Um, and the thing that a lot of people don't appreciate in Will Smith's acting career is is that, um, you know, he made a ton of money from the song Parents Just Don't Understand. I've heard him talk about how cool it was to have essentially the last month of his senior year of high school have a song that he wrote be radio play and be climbing the charts, you know, and how mind-blowing that was. But the outcome of that was that within, I think it was less than a year actually, he had spent and lost every bit of the money and he had nothing, um, you know, and uh, thanks to some people who really loved and saw his talent, they stepped in and they said, hey, you know, maybe, maybe you'd consider this Fresh Prince of Bel-Air TV show. And, you know, and now, you know, I mean, Will Smith is a household name and, um, and we don't see that valley often in people's lives. Um, we don't see, even with people who, like Will Smith, you know, started out in high school and are still substantially doing what they dreamt of doing, um, we don't see the struggles. We don't see the hours of practice. You know, they talk about how in order to be uh, skilled at anything, you need to put in over 10,000 hours of practice at that thing. And I heard somebody in, in the men's group that I'm in the other day say, you know, um, you know, there's some things that 
I know that I'm not talented at, and I understand that I could, but honestly, I'm not willing to invest 10,000 hours of practice to up-level that particular issue. I'd rather put my efforts towards things that um, that I'm already good or, or, or somewhat good at and advance those rather than starting something out from scratch. And, and that can be really real for a lot of So each of us is we're going from the dream to the now, we have things that happen. It's just life. Uh, we have good things. There are up moments, times that you'll never forget. And there are horrible, awful, life-interrupting moments. And somewhere between the dream and the reality, uh, or the dream and the present is what I should say, is the reality um, of the work, of the struggle of possibly the people that come against us. And that's one that we haven't even talked about yet today is, is, you know, sometimes, in fact, there's a principle of leadership that says when you're going towards a worthwhile goal, there will be obstacles. Let me say that to you again. When you're going towards a worthwhile goal, there will be obstacles. Nobody gets from start to overwhelming significant success without having to have to deal with failure, with loss, with people coming against them, with all of those things, and have to overcome it. Um, it's not about how many times you fall down. It's about the fact that that number of times you got up is one more than the number of times you fell down. You know, Derek Redmond was on the show, and Derek's 1992 Olympic appearance, where his hamstring snaps very early on in the 440 race, and he goes down on the field. If you've never seen it, look up 1992 Olympics Derek Redmond. It's an amazing video. And, and Derek even said, you know, when he first went down, he attempted to get back up. And in his mind, he thought he could still get back up and win the race. Um, that's the kind of level of athletic mentality he had. And then he very quickly discovered that he wasn't going to be able to stand at all. And um, he was trying to get to his feet. His dad came out. Um, his dad was trying to walk him off the field. And he said, no, Dad, I'm going to finish my race. Um, and it's those kind of things. And, and Derek went back, and he's represented his country in other sports and in many other things. And... Uh, and is an amazing individual to this day, helping people realize how to be able to, in that moment, when you think everything's going to be a certain way, and then instantaneously it is completely different, that you're on the ground, bloody and bruised, and that's when you figure out how to get up. You see, it's those kind of things that empower us to be able to be a thriving entrepreneur. Those are the things that allow us the ability to be able to look at our lives where we are now and form new exciting dreams and goals that when we get there will probably be different than what we're thinking right now. But I'm not encouraging you to stop dreaming, to stop planning, to stop creating goals. I'm just simply saying that as we go through, situations arise. That's normal. That's life. And you know what? 
that's okay too. That's the cool part about it is, is because no matter how horrible the situation, and, and for those of you that are longtime listeners of the show, you've heard some stories of some people that have been through things that just quite frankly they shouldn't have lived through. Um, some of them were from their own choices. Some of them were from exterior circumstances they had no control over. Wars that were happening. Parents that were killed. Um, you know, all kinds of things like that. And they have been able to overcome. And so for each of us, and it's not a matter of um, judging whether your thing is worthy of being the challenge that it is to you. It's just simply a matter that each of us has challenges on this journey of life. And each of us every day has the choice and the chance to get up, to brush ourselves off, and realize that from that incident that just happened, from that minute ago when you were on the ground to right now, that's going to be the thing that's going to propel you to something even greater. I remember, um, you know, some of you that know me know that I have some physical limitations that I'm uh, working on. And uh, I remember what it's like to literally go down. I was in a uh, convenience store that was part of a gas station. Um, I was very sick. I didn't even know how ill I was, actually. Um, And I was coming out of the bathroom, and there was a distance to walk where there was nothing to hold on to. And I was walking across the room, and I began crying out for help because I knew I wasn't going to make it. I knew I was going to fall. I had fallen before, um, some of them bad, some of them not so bad. But this time I knew, I knew that I knew that I knew that I was going down. And I tried to crawl out for help and hoped that somebody would come and let me just put an arm around them or a hand on them and be able to stand. And then I went down. There on the floor in front of the bathrooms in a convenience store. And the ambulance had to get called, and firemen had to come and help lift me up onto a stretcher, and I had to be rushed to the emergency room. This was in the middle of our move here to California, in what should have been the time that we were celebrating a new thing in our life. And here I was, on the floor, down, And honestly, there were times there that I was dreaming of how great would it be to be put on on a helicopter or whatever and flown the rest of the trip because I was so sick and it was just the thought of giving up seemed so easy and so wonderful. But what I know is, having come through and onto the other side of that, is that it's when you go through those circumstances and then you get up. That there's something new inside of you that wasn't there before the incident that gives you, yes, something to share, but also a different kind of strength, 
a different kind of sense of purpose and a realization that no matter how dark it can get, that there's still always light. And then no matter how much is coming against you, that success is your birthright. That you were meant, you were born to thrive and to live as a thriving entrepreneur. We're going to take our quick commercial break, and then we're going to bring to you a couple of amazing best-selling authors that are going to share with you their books and their insight in dealing with situations in life and growing, not necessarily because things turned out exactly the way you planned, but because there's always more and better for each of us as we're on this road towards living as a thriving entrepreneur. Don't go away. We'll be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur. Today, we want to help up-level you by taking a look at the things that have happened in your life, the plans that you have for the future, and the times when the past didn't turn out exactly as you had planned, and help you move towards that amazing future that is meant for you. I hope that you'll really enjoy both of these best-selling authors as we work together to live as thriving entrepreneurs. How often do you actually find that your life is truly in danger? I mean, I know a lot of times, a lot of times we feel like, uh, you know, bad things may be happening, but what if it really was? Today, I want to talk about an exciting, fascinating book called Assassination Avoided, Destiny Defined with international best-selling author, Y. Renee Cooper. Hi, Renee. How are you today? I'm good. How are you, Steve? I'm doing great. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I was there at the book writing session, so I know a little bit of the story, but tell people this amazing story about the assassination avoided. Okay, I had to get the little giggle out first because to hear you say international bestselling author still doesn't ring well with me. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> international bestselling author. I'm still getting used to it. So that was kind of when you said it, I was like, whoa, who's he talking about? Can't be talking oh, about me. <laughs> you can eat with that anytime you want. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, Assassination Avoided Destiny to Find is my story of 
survival of of being an abusive relationship for years, but also realizing that out of it, I still had destiny. That when God chooses you, no matter what, he doesn't change his mind about you. And when the hand of God is on your life, the enemy really can try everything he wants to try. But just like the Bible says, um, weapons may form, but they will not prosper. So assassination of what destiny to find is basically my journey. Um, not the entire story, of course, um, but it gives you a glimpse into my life of abuse and some of the things that I did correctly, some of the things I did incorrectly, um, how I got out of the relationship, the tragedy that happened in the midst of it, but then how God still saw fit to save me, keep me here, and then mm-hmm. signs afterwards to um, mm-hmm. to help uh, someone else who's in the situation realize that they can come out as well. So there you were, um, and I don't remember if it was a Sunday night or if it was a weeknight, but you're at church. It was a Sunday night, very good, Steve. (laughs) Okay. Um, You know, typical church, you know, it wasn't like, you know, Jesus himself had shown up on the altar or something, you know, typical church. And then at the end of the time, uh, the pastor, um, who we all know, another one of our best-selling authors, (laughs) um, you know, she says, somebody's life is in jeopardy. We need to stop and pray right now. And, you know, like we do at church, you stopped and you prayed with them. And I'll bet you a million bucks you weren't thinking, ooh, I need to get serious about this because it's my life that's in danger right now. You would be absolutely correct and be a million dollars richer. Um, <laughs> so, no, um, I'm coming out of that service, um, again, in the without giving the book away, it really it de- in the book it depicts my thought process, what I was feeling going through that moment, and I was kind of melancholy. Um, my thought process was not towards that at all. You know, you when people tell you stuff, even and I liken it, and I don't liken prophecies or even prayers to psychics, but you know, just say for instance, we we believe in psychics, which I really don't, but when we watch TV and they have psychics on there. You know, they tell you something and you look at them like, eh, whatever. And it wasn't that I was like, eh, whatever, but it was more so like that couldn't pertain to me because I don't feel like I don't feel any death around me. I don't feel anybody near me dying or whatever have you. But then again, I guess that's why it wasn't on me or it wasn't for me to pray and it was for someone else to pray, if you understand kind of what I was saying. So I think my thought process in the whole I, I really wasn't there. I was there physically, but mentally I was in a whole nother headspace because my life was changing. My life was um, going in a direction I never thought it would go in. I had some big decisions to make going into the new year because we were, what's that, um, three days out of the new year. Three, yeah, three to four days out of it before the new year. We were going into 2009, as a matter of fact. And no, just that whole... I mean, I'm obedient when it comes to people in leadership, when it comes to praying and things like that. So I do pay attention. I mean, I could have been, I think to myself now, hindsight is 2020. I think to myself how different it could have been if I had not stayed for the prayer. Not saying that she was praying in general, you know, because she did not know who it was. It was something that the Lord had given her. But at the same time, because it was for me, if I would have walked out that door and been disobedient and not stayed, regardless of how I, how I felt, regardless of me not actually receiving the prayer because I was just there to be there, you know, physically, 
would my life be, would I still be here to tell my story or would my life be different? Yeah. You know, we talk a lot about things in church um, and we take them for granted. I, I don't want to go to the extent to say that we don't believe them because I think we do, but we just take them for granted that, oh yeah, that's going to happen. Or, oh, you know, that would never happen to me. God will take care of us. But when he really shows up, it is freaking amazing to see stuff. Oh my goodness. <laughs> You've said a whole mouthful, Steve. Um, just, just the whole unfolding of the, I'll say, the first 24 hours after that prayer, and then the next, I'll say, nine days after that prayer. Just shows how, like you said, we, we take things for granted. Um, because even those people who grew up in the church, I, I grew up in, a, I wasn't a church church baby, but I did come from the church. Um, but I did not get a relationship with God until my early twenties. But the fact being is a lot of times because, excuse me, life is going good for us or life seems like it's okay. We don't take, we don't take certain things seriously. It's like, you know, we just say, oh, well, it'll be okay. Or that's not pertaining to us or you know, God's done it before, he'll do it again. And we just, we make light of a lot of situations that we probably shouldn't. And I just, I look at life a lot differently now. I think anybody who could walk in my shoes for 30 minutes of that time frame would probably look at life a lot differently now. Now, like watching a TV show, what unfolds over the course of the next, we don't even talk about the first, you know, the next 24 hours, the next couple of hours is something that, first of all, we're not going to tell you on the show, you have to get the book, Assassin's right. and Avoided Destiny Defined, in order to hear about how, and we're not, I mean, sometimes we use uh, whatever that word is that I can't think of right now, you know, to express a concept you know, it's not really actually that. But in this case, we're actually talking about an assassination that an assassination attempt that didn't end up working out. So you got to get this book, Assassination Avoided, Destiny Defined. So um, if that doesn't tease them to want to watch the book, maybe we can uh, also talk about destiny. So what does it mean to really not just have a destiny, but feel it defined in your life? I believe that when we're all when we're born, we're born with a purpose. And a lot of times because we go through life with either blinders on or we're in a certain um what's the word I'm looking for, for lack of better words, lane, that we don't necessarily get what we're what we're what we're what we're destined to do. And I think sometimes it's like, you know, God has to do something to get our attention for us to get us to where he wants us to be. Again, it's all about free will, even after he shows it to us. Um, and I'm not saying I'm a stubborn person or that I did anything wrong or that I did something extremely right to have this put on my back. But what I really believe that after everything that transpired happened, that if before then I didn't really know what I was supposed to do in life, if I had no clue, if I was just thinking that, you know, I'm supposed to be, um, a young woman, um, childless, because I found out at an early age, I couldn't have children. And I accepted that. Or um, at this time, I was married to be a wife or not to be a wife because of things that were happening or changing. Um, working the same government job all the time, just going to work every day, coming home, 
taking care of my parents who were um, getting up in age, things of that nature. It just seemed like my day was becoming a routine. I really didn't have anything that I was looking forward to per se. Once this happened, it showed me that, and believe me, you, what happened when it did happen, I would never wish this on anybody. And if this is the real reason why he had to show me what my, my destiny was or what my purpose was, he could have really found another way. I promise you that I think if he would have came down and had a conversation with me or sit, sit somebody down and have a conversation with me, I might not have gotten it right away, but I would have gotten it as opposed to going through what I had to go through to get here. But what I believe that what happened with me was in order to define what happened, what I was supposed to do, this was a huge stepping stone. And from that moment to this one, even though I was stagnant in some areas, even though I slowed down and my momentum dropped off, that everything happens in a season and a time. And now this is the time, one, for the book to be released, even though before then I had started an organization um, against domestic violence and pulling people in to let them know that they have a voice, that they can be heard, that they don't have to live in fear, that if they just reach out and become brave enough to let somebody know that they need help. And not all situations or stories have happy endings, they don't. But I honestly believe that if someone actually takes back their courage for a moment in time, that even if the end, if the end result, unfortunately, is tragic, because I've seen tragedies come out of it, it does not mean that they're not happy for that moment. I'll give an example. Once I came out of my situation, someone was interviewing me and asked me a question when I started my organization. And they asked me, well, what if, what if something happened where you wouldn't have been able to get out? And I told them when I've gotten to the point and I was fed up and I just had, I had had enough. If I would have walked out of my door and something, and I decided that I was leaving that situation and something would have happened. Whereas between the time I left and five minutes later, I think that in my finite in my small mind that those five minutes probably would have been the most happiest moments in my life and that's saying a lot when you've been through what I've been through in the years that I have been through just for five minutes apiece you know that's really powerful actually Kathy and I were just talking literally like 15 minutes ago about um, how often we avoid just really relishing happiness for however long we have it. Maybe it won't be happiness tomorrow, but if it feels good today, you know, how about we jump in and really enjoy something that's good for now? And this is true. That's why I think a lot of people, we stress out about things that we have no control over. Um, and I think that when it's something that traumatic happens or that are, like takes us away where we, are um, the words I'm looking for, where, we, where we're not happy in life, where we're stagnant, where we're depressed, where we're in bondage, that if we get free for just a couple of minutes, I think sometimes those couple of serene moments, you know, even if you take yourself off to like, if you have to daydream or take yourself out of the situation for a few moments, in those moments, I think that you feel a whole lot better. And even in those moments, sometimes we come back with a little bit more clarity. Things may not, we might not be able to change everything right away, but the fact being that we, we see or we pretend or we project that we're going to be better or something's going to change, then I think that if we bring that back, when we come back from wherever place we visit, 
that that'll help us move to the next level too, or help us get out of our situations. And when I told the people that in the interview that I did, they looked at me and kind of said something like you have said, and they were like, you know, we never really looked at it that way. And I said, you know, and we can apply that to anything in life. When we lose people in life to death, for whatever reason, we're devastated, especially for somebody we're close to a parent, a sibling, a child. We we're in that mourning period for a moment, but we have to know that there's life after mourning or after losing them. And if we could see ourselves and how that person would feel if we were left here mourning them and upset all the time, when most of those people that we lose want us to be happy, if we take ourselves out of those situations and out of our own feelings and realize that we have something to look forward to, that we have life after and focus on the good times as opposed to them leaving us now, then we have something to look forward to. It's really funny. And I know so I'm probably babbling because a lot of it gets jumbled up, but it, it all comes back full circle. It's all about a thought process. It's all about a wanting, a desiring, and making up a conscious mind for change. I couldn't agree more, and I don't think you rambled at all. <laughs> that it starts with decision, um, and everything else revolves from that. Um, so I know there are some people out there that are listening because of the audience and the people you, uh, you, know, you draw to your circle. Um, what would you say, Renee, to somebody who... Uh, you know, needs just a little bit of encouragement to get out of the situation they're in and uh, find a better way. Well, first, I will tell them that regardless of you feel, because a lot of us, and I, I'm speaking for self-experience first, most of my biggest issue was I was embarrassed. I didn't know who I could trust, or even if I felt like I could trust the people that I would not be judged. So I want them to understand that people who really love you are in your corner will not judge you. Of course, everybody's going to have questions, especially if you portray, like I wore a mask all the time. So nobody really knew anything about my situation whatsoever. If they did, if they assumed it, they never came to me because I always put on a front. So I will say that if you know that you have someone that's in your circle that you really can trust, that's not going to betray your trust, that's not going to try to force you out of anything too soon, then you need to start talking to that person. If you don't have anybody you can trust on that level, there are several agencies in your city in the country there's a national domestic violence hotline or whatever situation you may be going to there's always some type of help somewhere the first thing is to talk about it to give yourself a voice and once you do that one i think that you'll start feeling a little better and then someone else can help you when you're not thinking clearly to give you kind of clear advice to help you along the way now, when you do talk to these people, the next thing I will say to do is for this person not to say, okay, well, just let's just go, because sometimes it's not that simple. You have to be safe. You have to make a plan, a way of escape that's not going to cause harm to you, anybody connected to you, and definitely if there are children involved. So I would say always be willing to talk about it, find you someone who you can talk to, and then make plans of a safe escape. Mm, that's good. Um, I would even pile on, if you will, <laughs> with that. Um, it's important that you talk to the right people, because if you don't, it's going to make it worse. But right. what's done in secret stays in secret, and what is 
brought to the light, just like cockroaches, wants to try to run back to the shadows. And um, there is power in speaking out what is happening. Again, it's got to be to the right people. You can't just run out on a street corner and shout it out because most people won't even pay attention or care. But with the right person, the most empowering thing I can think of is actually just saying what is actually happening. Correct. Um, those people know. who love and care about you or those people who are concerned about you naturally or not naturally, but just um, your well-being. I mean, there are always some, whether you feel like you're alone in the world or not. And I mean, there are people out there who really literally feel like they're alone, but there is someone that you've, that you've connected with, you work with, um, that's not connected to your abuser or whomever's causing you harm that you can actually talk to. And if that person betrays that trust right away, then you know there's got to be somebody else. And if nothing else, like I said, even if you feel like there's nobody in your circle that can help you, there are numbers out there of people who are willing to help. Like with me, there are several people since I've started this, where I found where my destiny started taking me and I started following the breadcrumbs that I, I've made connections. There are people who have reached out to me that I don't know from lack of a better word is a pan of paint, a, pan, a can of paint. Oh, I got tongue tied. Sorry. A can of paint. And these people have inboxed me, called me, set up counseling with me. And for those things that I cannot help with, I have resources that I can connect them or send them to. So it's all about, even if you don't feel like you know somebody, there is a number, there is a connection. Like I said, the National Domestic Violence Hotline is a 24-hour service, and they are connected with someone in every state. An amazing, powerful book. A great story. And, you know, we just teased you about the whole assassination part of the story. You really do need to go to Amazon and get Assassination Avoided. Destiny Defined by Y. Renee Cooper. Renee, thanks so much for spending some time with us on the show today. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate you giving me the time. And again, I'm trying to get used to that title going with, <laughs> with me doing this. So I'm, I'm, I'm humbled, I'm honored, and it's been, a, it's been a blast. This whole ride has been a blast. I want you to remember this verse from the Bible. Joseph says to his brothers at the end of all of the stuff, what you meant for evil, God intended for good. And I want you to look at the things in your life and see that it may feel horrible, but there is some good that's coming up. And at the end of it, you're going to be living as a thriving entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this, what would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because... It serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Mm-hmm.
Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Let's jump in with our other best-selling author and learn together how we can rise above and we can be empowered to be the best version of ourselves. So, so often we find ourselves looking for our own power. You know, Tony Robbins has a book about personal power. It seems like really feeling empowered as individuals is one of the things that most of us find ourselves struggling with at some point in life. But if you can change your perspective, often you become and find yourself very empowered. So today we're joined by international best-selling author, Toby Braswell, as he talks about his book, The Empowerment Chords, Change Your Perspective, Find Your Power. Hey, Toby, how are you doing today? I'm well, I'm well. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. How are you? I'm doing good, thanks. So the book was really amazing, and I loved um, all of your journey. For people who are unfamiliar with you, tell us a little bit about um, who you are and some of the things you've been through in life. Yeah, so uh, I am a, uh, an insurance professional. I've been in, in the insurance business probably for uh, over about 12 years or so. And before that, I was in, mortgage, in mortgages. Uh, I am, although I've been in that type of business for what, 17 years total, I'm a lifelong musician. Uh, I'm a hip-hop uh, hip MC as well as producer. Uh, you know, been on stage with some pretty... Uh, Pretty well-known acts like Black Eyed Peas, Talib Kweli, Dead Eye Mind Tricks, so forth and so on. Um, but you know, it just wasn't in the cards for me to uh, wasn't really in the cards for me to become to, to make it, I guess, as a professional musician. So um, that's when I, you know, pivoted to more of a, more of a corporate lifestyle and actually owned my own agency for a while in insurance, and then pivoted into uh, a corporate role, and that's what I have now. Yeah, a lot of times as musicians, one of the things that we discover um, early, sometimes too late, is is that um, it, it's a great career as long as you can afford it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, You've so got to kind of have a side hustle Absolutely. in order to be able to afford it. <laughs> All right. Well, so, yeah, that, that is so true. That's so true. <laughs> yeah. So talk to us about the empowerment chords. Um, what does that mean? Well, to me, you, you know, you had mentioned it earlier, you know, we all, you know, the, in both all the businesses that I, I've dealt with and, you know, owning my own agency, you know, I've gotten to know, I've gotten, been blessed to, to meet a lot of people. And in doing so, one thing that I've realized, the commonality between all these people is that, you know, we all have some of the same problems, right? Not being really satisfied with the job, not being satisfied with uh, where they're at in life want a new house, a new car, not being satisfied with the relationship, you know, where it is, you know, uh, what have you. So, I, you know, in coaching a lot of these people through their issues, helping them navigate through them, I found myself really repeating myself uh, a lot of times, you know, just saying some of the same things. And, uh, and I don't want it to seem like it was tiring at all. In fact, most of the times when I'm talking to folks about their issues, uh, a lot of times I'm really talking to myself. And, and really, you know, reiterating the things that I know to be true. So finally, after years of doing this, I wanted to put
put it down on paper and say, hey, you know, this is, uh, this is what I believe, you know, these are things that help me navigate through issues, um, you know, whether personal, you know, or in my business career. And so I, I put down these seven, seven mantras or what I call empowerment cords, and uh, they really, really help. I know, I know they work, but I've used them myself, and I've helped people with their issues as well. Um, you know, the first one is really easy, uh, really simple. And, you know, I don't profess to, to uh, present anything new. What I like to do is basically just remind you of the power that you have inside of yourself. So the first chord is, uh, you know, everything is an interview. Everything is an interview. And Steve, you know, you do a lot of interviews. I know you do, right? Because this is, this is part of your business, interviewing, you know, uh, authors and talking to them and what have you. I can tell you in preparation, the interviewee is, is looking to be the best version of themselves, right? That's what the interviewee is looking to be, present the best version of themselves to the public. And I began to think about that. And I said, well, hey, if I can have people, if I can channel that and be the best version of myself at all times, you know, what opportunities would open up for me? It wouldn't be just about getting a job, right? It would be about, you know, winning favor with people, you know, and, and being blessed, you know, with whatever God has uh, in store for you. So, um, you know, in short, that's the first uh, empowerment cord. And, and that really started me on my journey, just presenting the best version of yourself. Being genuine and authentic it's amazing how much so many of us often struggle with that, but yet that really is kind of the first step in really making it in anything you're doing. Well, I agree. I think that, I think a lot of us are afraid to be, you know, ourselves uh, in, in a lot of cases uh, for fear of, of not being accepted or, you know, whatever the case may be. I, again, I believe that it's, it's about confidence, and fielding empowerment cords directly speak to that. In fact, uh, the empowerment cords is essentially an acronym. So each letter in the word in the word empower stands for another cord. Uh, the last letter in empower is R, and it stands for remember your strength. So remember your strength is is essentially you know if we go back to applying for a job, right? Applying for a position. You know, those of us that have been and, uh, you know, been professionals for, you know, for years or whatnot, a lot of times we forget, you know, all the things that we've accomplished, right? Uh, and it's not, not so hard to believe. A lot of us forget where we leave our keys in the morning, right? So forgetting what we've done in, in, in the past uh, is not so hard to believe. And that's why we have, you know, resume writers, people that actually sit down and, and, and interview you and ask about the things that you've accomplished. And that, those things, you know, they ask you questions to kind of jog your memory. Well, remember your strengths, it being the empowerment cord is essentially stockpiling a lot of those good memories and just reminding you how strong you were, you know, in, in, the, in the yesteryears and knowing that you're only stronger, better, smarter now. And all you have to do is really just make the choice, right? Make the choice to actually make the right decisions in your life to be confident uh, and, and do the things to help you uh, be confident. and, and in diverse or different uh, environments. And, you know, that lead to what practice, you know, being a subject matter expert in whatever field that you're in or what have you, but really taking the time and doing the work. But it starts with, you know, having the confidence that, you know, you can accomplish that. 
that that can be accomplished. And that just happens through uh, remembering your strength, remembering that you're capable of it. That may be a good tip for everybody, whether you're looking for a job or not, is to hire somebody outside of you to create a really amazing resume or bio for yourself. Um, you might be impressed with yourself if you actually heard how somebody else describes you. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. Well, you, you know, one thing that I, one thing that I like to do um, is establish like a, a, what I call an attaboy file, you know, on myself, right? You know, for those days that you're not feeling quite your best, you know, this is a file that, hey, when you get a good, uh, you know, get a good email from your, from your boss saying, Hey man, you did a really good job on this. You know, what I would do is I'll, I'll copy that email and I'll place that all in my attaboy file. And when I'm feeling down and feel like I can't do anything right, this is a file that I will go to and look at all the things that I've accomplished and say, you know what? I did that. I did that. I do that with music too. Sometimes if I'm not feeling particularly uh, creative, you know, I'll go back and listen to a song that I did like, man, I did that. Okay. Okay, then, you know, I'm just going through a bad patch right now. It's all good. And then get back right back on the keyboard and start uh, creating. So if you knew at 20 what you know now, what advice would you give to the 20-year-old version of yourself? I would tell them to listen more. <laughs> I would tell them to listen more. <laughs> One of the... One of the uh, one of the uh, empowerment chords is O, right? The letter O, meaning uh, to be open, uh, and it's not just open to new ways of thought. I mean that is of course included, but it's also uh, being open to criticism and critique. Uh, I would say myself at the age of twenty. I'm not going to speak for anybody else, Steve, right? But I'll speak for myself. Uh, I thought I knew a lot at twenty. I thought I knew a lot. Uh, but that wasn't the case. <laughs> In fact, I thought I knew a lot at 25. And, you know, my wife would tell you, I thought I knew a lot at 30, you know, <laughs> so, but I, I've been wrong almost in every, in every situation, almost at every age. Uh, I mean, there's always so much to learn, but one of the most important lessons was being open to critique, open to criticism, learning how I can be better. You know, a lot of us, you know, a lot of us pray to be stronger, to be better versions of ourselves and to get better every year. Well, the only way you're going to get better uh, is to break down your old self and then build up from there, right? Just like a muscle, you know, if you're working out in gym. Uh, if you're working out in the gym, you're working out, you know, whatever muscle group, the chest, the back, or what have you, it's going to be the same thing. You break down that muscle only to uh, bring it back stronger. And it's going to hurt. You're going to be sore, right? You're going to, and it's going to take time. Uh, and the, you know, being critiqued is never fun, but at the same time, you know, if you make that part of your rest to ask for open feedback, you can only get better, especially if you're looking, if you're, you know, you're asking from the right people. Uh, so that would be the thing that I would tell my 20 year old self, uh, if I could be open to critiques and, you know, experience doesn't have to be your teacher. You can learn from the mistakes and from the successes of other people. You don't have to be, uh, you don't, you don't have to learn the hard way, so to speak. So that, that's, that's what I would tell myself. <laughs> if only at 20, we could have listened to those people who already had all that scar tissue that we decided to volunteer for too. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Um, let's talk, yeah, let's leave people in action. What is, 
um, you know, besides the fact that they need to get the book and go through all seven of the empowerment cords, what is something that a person could do right now today to really find their power? Well, one thing I always suggest people do if they're not feeling their strongest, I always would tell people uh, to write down some of the things that they really enjoy doing. To write down, I, I like for people to write down like 10 things that they really enjoy doing. And I like that list to be, uh, to, to, to specify not really needing anyone else to actually do that. Not needing a lot of money or a person, another person's presence to really make, uh, to, to, you know, to have fun or to carry out that, you know, that particular activity. Uh, then, then actually look, look at those activities and, and then right next to them, when was the last time they actually engaged in those activities? You know, these are a list of activities that really make you happy. When was the last time you actually engaged in any of those activities? Well, you know, those would be some of the things. I think being happy, being happy, uh, there's power in being happy. And there is definitely a, uh, and with that power, I think comes strength uh, and, and strength to be able to navigate through issues that you're currently having. But, you know, no one, well, I'll say this, not a lot of people like work, love to go to work and what have you. You'll find a couple of people out there that do, that, that are blessed to have jobs they enjoy, but not everyone enjoys. Most people don't enjoy work, right, or aspects of work. But you find it's a lot more enjoyable if you have, uh, if you're engaging activities outside of work that you really, really enjoy, and kind of keeping keeping things in, um, in prioritizing things, keeping things in perspective. Uh, I think that that's that's an important uh, an important factor. The other thing that I would suggest, Steve, is for people to be really, really honest. You know, we have a lot of folks that. Uh, want success but you know the question is you know how many people are willing to really work for it you know and really work hard the m in, in empowerment cord stands for if you want more you have to do more so uh, i i truly believe in that I mean, you have to set yourself apart from everyone else and there's going to come a sacrifice with that i think that when we look at greatness you know whether it's you know mother Teresa. Uh, whether it's, you know, the Pope, whether it's, you know, Kobe, LeBron, uh, whether it's Langston Hughes, you know, whoever, you know, when we look at greatness, we're looking at folks that have sacrificed, people that have put in the work to be truly, to be considered great, you know. Uh, if you want more, you have to do more. So, you know, people need to be strategic, though, with that. You know, you have to work smarter, not necessarily harder. So those would be the, the, the things that I would say. You can't freestyle a masterpiece. So you need to come up with a plan in order for that to happen. And there's no shame in asking for help. Just know that the work is really going to come. It's really going to fall on your shoulders to really uh, to make happen to, for, it, for that to come to fruition. That's really um, very powerful information because all of the people, even the big name artists that you've worked with, the times that they're in the spotlight um, is the little, you know, it's the less than 1%. It's all those hours in the studio and practicing and learning to hit those notes or play those chords. Um, that, that's powerful stuff. Um, the book is called The Empowerment Chords, Change Your Perspective, Find Your Power. 
It's by Toby Braswell, international best-selling author. It's available in both print and digital on Amazon. You should get your copy today because it is an amazing book. Toby, thanks so much for spending some time with us on the show here today. Thanks so much for having me, Steve. I appreciate it. Thank you. I hope that you will get the book and that you will find yourself empowered through the messages in both of these amazing best-selling books that are really here to help you be able to up-level your life and your business. You know, as I said at the beginning of the episode, life is one of those kind of things that we make the plans and then life happens. But here's the great news. In almost every incident, the thing that comes from the plan, the failure, and that come from is something so much better than you would have ever believed. You know, it's just like the story of the little trees, where the little trees dreamt of being a great ship and a giant king's bed and to stand on the hilltop and point men to God. And they found themselves as the crude fishing boat of Peter, who one day found himself almost drowned with the amount of fish that got picked up. And they found themselves as a rugged little manger that held the king of kings. End of a cruel cross that pointed all men to God. You see, your purpose in life has that same kind of power. You have a message it needs to be shared with the world. I'd really love for you to join us at Bestsellers Guild by going to bestsellersguild.com and know more than anything how much you matter and how much your story matters. Because you see, here's what I know for sure. You're not an accident. God literally moved heaven and earth to make sure that you came into existence because you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose. And the world needs you. There's no one else that's ever been like you and no one else that ever will be like you. We would love to share as you share what you've learned so far with the world. Because Kathy and I are here, and our intent more than anything else is to share you with the world and to help you be able to live every day of your life as a thriving entrepreneur. Until next time, I truly hope that you have an amazing, great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. 
It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today.